back. It's good to see you. How are you doing? Hey, hey. So I didn't ask for permission for my wife to do this, but hopefully she doesn't kill me. Uh, but I'll, I'll ante up the pizza party. Okay, so because I, I, I grew tremendously at retreats, I uh, felt the call in the ministry at a retreat. So here's what I want to do. I will, we will pay for someone to go to camp, uh, whoever brings the most first-time guests. So if you bring somebody, like Nathan said, it's not just to win a party. It's not just to, you know, pack the room out. We believe that God can change lives in these situations. So whoever wins for the month of October, bringing first-time guests, we will pay for your uh, admission to camp. So... With that being said, I want you to begin to think, I want you to begin to pray, and I want you to begin to figure out who you can invite, because I often believe a one moment with Jesus will change your life. And so with that being said, whoever wins the month of October not only gets a pizza party, but their registration to winter camp will be covered by myself and my lovely wife. All right, let's dive into scripture. As you know, you've been in the book of James for, for a while now, and you've unpacked so many truths that can help you grow and live out your faith. And last week, the question that you looked at is, are you God-centered and, or, or are you self-centered? And if we're honest, so often we live, in a lot, we live our lives where it's so consumed with ourselves and cultures telling us this is how we live. And as we read the book of James and as Nathan unpacked last week, we have to begin to be God-centered with everything that, we're to, everything that we do. And tonight we're going to continue to look at several verses in chapter 5 of James together. And we're going to spend a few moments just unpacking several truths from James 5. And it says this to James 5, 13 through 18. It says this. Let's read this together. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be, what? What's that word? Healed. Healed. Focus there. And the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human. And I just want y'all to catch this for a second. When, they, when James says this, he wants you to recognize Elijah is a prophet from the Old Testament that God spoke through. But James wants you to recognize he's just like you and I. So Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. And what I want us to see is just a few truths in this text together. Right off the bat, we we see if you're struggling, you should pray. If you're happy, you should sing praises. If you're sick, you should call the leaders of the church and ask them to pray for you and then anoint you with oil. Finally, in the last part of that section, we see that we are to pray, that prayer, excuse me, is powerful and effective. Students, I just want to speak to you for a moment, and I want you to lean in and learn what God has for you from these words of James. But before we dive into the verse that we're going to look at tonight, 
I just want to say something to you specifically as middle school students, high school volunteers, and adults, is that you matter. Did you hear me? You matter. Your prayers matter. So don't ever think God doesn't hear your prayers because you're young. Don't ever think that God can't use your prayers because you're only in 6th grade, 7th grade, or 8th grade. Don't believe that lie from Satan because our prayers are powerful and God can work in and through us. And you can move mountains if you simply choose to begin to ask God. You begin to seek and you begin to knock. So students, before we dive into James 5, 16, you need to understand that your prayers matter and they carry a ton of weight. But the verse that I want to look at tonight is something that I wish someone would have said to me when I was your age. And it comes from James 5, verse 16. And it says this, confess your what? To each other and pray for who? So that you may be healed. And I just want to set up something real quickly before we unpack this together a little bit more. And it's this truth right here, and it's on your notes. And it says this, confessing our sins to each other, or excuse me, confessing our sins and our need for Jesus leads to forgiveness and salvation. So when we begin to see our need for God and we begin to see the sin that's in our life and we begin to reach out and we begin to seek God and we begin to pray, this is the first step and it leads to forgiveness and salvation. And we can see this in a couple verses. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we see our sin and we recognize our need for Jesus, he promises that our sins will be forgiven. And in Romans 10, 9 through 11, it says this, if you confess once again with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for within the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and saved. Students, when we begin to recognize our sin and we begin to recognize our need for Jesus, it will lead to forgiveness and salvation. But here's what I want us to see tonight that we can see in the text that James wrote. And it's this truth right here. Confessing our sin and struggles. To who? Okay, let's say this again. To who? To each other leads to healing and freedom. And I just want us to look at James 5.16 again. I just want you all to see this. Confess means to admit it means to acknowledge and make known your sins to each other so, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess simply means to bring to light, to confess, to acknowledge. And for the remainder of our time tonight, I just want us to answer this question real quickly. And it's this, how do we do this? And students, if I can be vulnerable, if I can be transparent, if I can be honest with you, I really wish that I would have had this lesson when I was in middle school. I wish I had someone to set me down and unpack James 5.16 with me so that I would have, I would have walked more like, like Jesus. I wouldn't have had as many mistakes. And so how do we do this? And, and, the, and the verse that I want to help us to do this is found in Psalms 139, 23 through 24. And it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So the first truth that I want us to see in this passage that's on your notes is simply ask God. When it comes to the sin that's in your life, when it, becomes, when it comes to the struggles, and I'm not talking about the struggles of like, man, I'm struggling with math, I'm struggling, you know, not studying, I'm struggling with this. I'm talking about the sins, the temptations, the flesh desires that we have. We need to ask God, and he says, Psalms 23, verse 23, search me. It's asking God to reveal to us anything in our life that needs to change. The second truth that we can see is identify your sin and your struggles. In that verse that we read together, verse 24 says, point out anything in me that offends you. So in this text, we see that we're to ask God, God, search me and test me and know my anxious thoughts and point out anything in me that offends you. And this is the hardest. We're asking God, we're asking the Holy Spirit to reveal sins and struggles in our life that needs to change. And we have to identify them, name them specifically. And the third point is this. Bring them to the light. Bring them to the light. And just like we saw earlier, when I say bring them to the light, we need to confess them. A couple months ago, I was helping a church set up their service and I was going there to learn and try to figure out something that we could do and just be better as a church and I was helping them tear down and uh, I took a pole and I, they're like hey if you just push up on this button it'll slide down so I was like oh this is fairly simple well what happened is when I began to push the button the, the top of the pole slammed down and it cut my hand really bad and instantly I was like oh dang this is not good and I didn't realize how much your hand bleeds when you cut it, but it was severe. And so I was like, where's the bathroom? I've got to go find a Band-Aid. And as, as that, the next couple days went on, I noticed that my hand, my cut wasn't healing. And I was like, what's like, I mean, it's the blood stopped, but why is this healing? And here's the truth, students. The moment that I exposed my cut to the sun and to the air, you know what happened? It began to heal. And in the same way, you and I need to bring our sin to the light, to Jesus, so that you and I can be healed. Satan wants us to keep it hidden. Satan wants us to keep us living in shame. When Jesus, through James, says, hey, no, no, no. The thing that you need to do is to ask God, identify your sin, and then bring it to the light so that you may be healed. Years ago... Uh, one of the perks of being in student ministry is my nieces and nephews uh, could come with me to camp and to our student activities. And here on the screen is my, my nephew, Wyatt. And uh, he is not your age anymore, as you can tell. And, uh, but when he was your age, he came to church camp with me. And uh, there was one of the moments during the service, he came up and said, Uncle Wade, can we go outside and talk? And I was like, sure, Wyatt, let's go outside and talk. And Wyatt is a big dude, but he's very, very tender-hearted. And he just engulfed me. Like, I mean, he always has. 
And he, he, he began to, I was like, what? what's the matter? And he just said, wait, I'm struggling. And in that moment when he was your age, he, he identified the sin that he was struggling with. He said, I've never told anybody and I've been living in shame my whole life. And I felt in this moment for me to be set free, I have to confess it and identify it and tell somebody. In that moment, the, the tall man that I've grown to love as my nephew just, just kind of wilted. And in that moment, I looked at him and said, Why? You're loved. You're forgiven. Don't live in shame. And a couple months ago at his wedding, you'll see another picture. You know, I had the opportunity to lead, uh, officiate his wedding with his wife. And a few years later, uh, he, he calls me uh, actually a couple months ago. And he's like, Wait, I, I just want to ask you something. He goes, do you remember that conversation we had at camp? I was like, yeah. I was like, what about it? He goes, that conversation set me on a trajectory where I was walking with the Lord. And I just want to say thank you for listening. And in that moment, he did what the psalmist says. He asked God. He identified his sin. And then he brought it to the light. And students, this is the hardest thing to do. But I need you to, I need you to hear me. I need you to tell somebody, but not everybody. Who you tell matters. And it may not be for the whole group, but find somebody that you can trust. Find somebody that you can go to and say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. This is the sin that I cannot seem to get over because my nephew is a perfect example of what can happen if you're willing to say, hey, God, search me. Show me what needs to change and then walk in freedom by telling somebody what's going on in their life. And that's point number four. Put it to death. Whatever it is in your life that you need to, that you need, that you've identified, put it to death. Colossians 3, five, 3 verse 5 says this, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. He doesn't just say keep them as a friend. He, just, he doesn't say just hang on to them. He says put them to death. And when I, when I think about this verse, it means do whatever is necessary for that part of your life to go away. And for Wyatt, he had to come talk to me and tell me. Like, he's like, I had to tell somebody. And I felt like I could tell you. And when he did that, here's something that's so powerful. And it's point number five. And it's this, walk in freedom. So we ask God. We identify your sin and your struggles, and then you bring them to light, you put them to death, and you walk in freedom. Satan wants you to live in shame. Satan wants you to walk around feeling guilty of everything that you've done or what you are going to do. He wants you to live a life where you're shackled to your sin, you're shackled to your past, you're shackled to past decisions, and he and Jesus, through the words of James... Wants us to walk in freedom. And one of my favorite passages written by Paul says this in Romans 8. It says, so, there, so now there is no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has what? Freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Students, 
This is hard. This this is difficult. But when we begin to ask God and we begin to identify those sins in our struggles and we confess them and bring them to the light and we begin to put them to death, we have the ability to walk in freedom. You do not have to live in shame any longer. And if I'm being honest, just like I said from the very beginning, I wish I had this message when I was your age because I walked in shame for way too long and I wasn't living the life that God's called me to live because Satan was saying, hey, you're not good enough. You've done this, you've done that. While scripture teaches us, if we simply apply these truths to our lives, we can walk in freedom. And the last point, it's a bonus. Is simply repeat. Since this is something that you will need to do your whole life, no matter how old you are, whether you're in sixth grade or you're 39, you need to consistently ask God. You need to consistently identify your sin. You need to consistently bring them to light. You need to consistently put them to death, and you need to consistently walk in freedom each and every day. It's a practice. Students, and through prayer and confession, you and I can experience hope. You and I can experience peace. You and I can experience healing. You and I can experience freedom that comes through Christ. You do not have to live in shame. Although Satan wants you to, we can walk in freedom. The unfortunate thing when we read this text together is that so many of us are unwilling or we're scared to apply these truths to our lives. And when we're unwilling to apply these truths to our lives, we're basically walking around in handcuffs. We're walking around unable to do and live as God's called us to live because we're unwilling to let go of that sin. We're unwilling to live as though God's called us to. We're unwilling to apply the truth that's found in James. And students, I don't want you to walk around in handcuffs any longer. I want you to walk in freedom and be the young man, the young woman that God has called you to be. Because through James, he has given us principles that we can apply to our lives and experience healing and freedom. Which ends with this point right here. When we confess our sin and our struggles to who? To who? We will experience healing and freedom. And so many people today are not experienced healing and freedom because they're unwilling to confess their sins to each other. We're unwilling to walk in the fullness of God because we're unwilling unwilling to say, hey, this is what I struggle with, and we're unwilling to find somebody that can pour into us. I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to walk alongside my nephew. We talk every so often, and that call a couple of months ago, like I said, was one of my favorite calls, not specifically because it, he was calling me, but my nephew is able to be a better man, a better husband, and a one day a better father because he applied the truth that James sets up for us. And the same thing could be applied to your life. And I just want to read this text again to you, and it's on the bottom of your card. 
And it's from the message, and it says this. Are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray and anoint you with oil in the name of the master. Believing prayer will heal you, and Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you will be forgiven, healed, inside and out. And I love this line right here. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Students, do you want to be enslaved or do you want to be set free? The choice is yours. Will you pray with me? Dear Father, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have just to come together to worship you, to grow in our faith. And God, right now, I pray and I beg that these students and these leaders and these adults have the courage to walk in freedom, to ask God, ask you what needs to change, and then have the courage to have that conversation with someone else. God, we ask this in your precious and holy name, we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.